My message this morning that I wanted to, to uh, share about is basically that the time is now. It's not going to be another time. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be, you know, <laughs> when, when I'm not doing well in my nutritional diet, I'm always on what my wife calls the tomorrow diet. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll eat better tomorrow, you know, and of, cor- of course, every day is today and tomorrow is always in the future. So I never get there. Um, and, and so sometimes we think of that when it comes to the harvest. Um, we, we think, well, you know, when I finally get trained up, when I take the uh, classes I need to take, when I'm, my prayer life is just perfect, when my, um, when my uh, uh, sanctification is totally pure, then I will be ready to evangelize and share the gospel and share the love of Jesus and, and see people saved. And I'm like, nope, that's a deception. The time is now. You know, that woman who got uh, 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 saved or rededicated, you know, immediately, she's in Mardi Gras. You think, hey, someone who, you know, took vacation and spent money to get there and has these plans to party throughout this whole time, like they're going to have a time of their life. Why interrupt them? It's like, no, because she was ripe for the harvest. Thank God we had a team that knew that the time was now. Because we knew that the time was now so that we could talk to her, pray for, for her, minister to her. And the first thing she wanted to do was share Jesus with someone. And so we need to get our, ourselves ready. Now, now, there's been many seasons in, in uh, human history, U.S. history, where there have been horrible times of society. I believe we're, we're in one of the worst times of society. I know probably every generational preach, you know, Preachers from past generations have said that. But from what I can tell, this is probably one of the most demonized uh, uh, generations I've ever, you know, could, you know, experience or see. You know, there's, we're, we're seeing a lot of deliverances take place at, at, um, at, from, from people's homes to their families to their personal lives. Uh, I believe that these devices have, have made things that have been so inappropriate uh, to invade people's lives in, the, in their privacy. And I'm not just talking about lustful pictures. I'm talking about uh, occultic, new age. Uh, I'm talking about political distraction. I mean, some people are so l- listening to politics, you know, six hours a day, way more than they ever read their Bibles. And I've been, I've been there. It's like, you want to advance the kingdom, read your Bible. Actually, you know what's really cool? This, this is like, do you know like you process differently when you read than when you hear? So, you know, I've read the Bible a lot through my life. What I like to do is also listen to the Bible. So if you have uh, the Bible app or, any, or there's many different ones, but you can let it read to you. And when you read, when you, excuse me, when you listen to the Bible, you actually you actually memorize it differently, you process it differently, and it gives you a different revelation. It's so hard to, to understand, but I, I just, a, just a side note there, if you've read it and you're like, yeah, I've read it, and it just, just start listening to it. And uh, so there's some that do it in English accents, and for some reason it sounds better. <laughs> I don't know why, but you're like, yeah, Jesus would have had an English accent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, we need, to, we need to get right back to, to where we're advancing God's kingdom because the harvest is so ripe. The time is now. This is not the time to wait. This is not the time to wait until everything is in order. You know, when Jesus was, was, was bringing the disciples along, he didn't fix them all up before he sent them out. They journeyed with him as he was sending them out. Okay? 
And so um, uh, the time is now. I wanna just show you some uh, different uh, quotes here. Uh, this is from uh, Boston University, the first slide. Uh, just, just pulled this from that. If you can read that, it's a miracle. Oh, there we go, okay. <laughs> depression among, the, this, is, this is as early uh, 2020, it says, depression among adults in the United States tripled in the early 2020 months of the global coronavirus pandemic, jumping from eight and a half percent before the pandemic to a staggering 27.8%. New research from Boston University uh, School of Public Health reveals that the elevated rate of depression has persisted into 2021 and even worsened, climbing to 32.8%, affecting one in every three American adults. One in every three people that you're encountering are struggling with this type of depression. Um, there's a map that I showed. I took a screenshot of it and I couldn't get all the ads out of it, but there it is. That's the United States and these are um, suicide rates in the United States. Uh, per 100,000, uh, New Mexico is top four. 24 out of every 100,000 com commit uh, suicide successfully and it's 20 times that try. The next uh, quote about the World Population Review. Suicide is a serious issue, but something to consider regarding suicide rates in the United States of America is that many suicides are the result of circumstances beyond avoidable circumstances. One thing that is a heavy common, com commonality among people who die by suicide is an unshakable feeling of dread, despair, loneliness, and hopelessness. These adjectives can be said to be overused in the discussions revolving around suicide, but they need to be taken seriously for suicide rates by state to decrease. This is by a secular um, uh, study uh, by the World Population Review. So why, why am I showing you these things? Not to make you depressed, okay? <laughs> the reality is, is that many people are really lonely. They're, they're in despair. They, they don't see any hope. There's, 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 they can't see past their own hand and you would never know it in your face-to-face -face interaction with them because they know how to talk. They know how to go real shallow. And so it's important that when you understand that the majority, one in every three, is actually suffering from like clinical depression, that it's likely they need Jesus and they're waiting for somebody to stop them. Let's go to Luke 19, one through 10. Give you guys a little time here to get there. There's also the screen, of course. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I, I, you know. Some people you can relate with in the word. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. He must have been fit. Climb a tree, especially when you're short. I know that. All right. Anyway, 
Since Jesus was coming that way, uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus, you know, some people will try to phrase Zacchaeus as this master, you know, massive outcast who, you know, just was super lonely and, and look, yes, the religious community rejected Zacchaeus, but he wasn't interested in the religious community or else he would have never took the job of a tax collector working for Rome against his own people, okay? So he wasn't like upset, oh man, no one will play with me from the Jewish community. No, he didn't care. He was wealthy. He had other wealthy friends, other tax collectors that would have been with him. He would have had uh, Romans that he could have hung out with. He was not a religious man. So much so that the Jewish community considered him a sinner. He was a chief tax collector. And chief tax collectors, or the tax collectors of that day, were also known to not be fair to the Jewish people. They had burdened them. So the Jewish people were not only uh, taxed by the Jewish community, they were taxed by the Roman community. And so uh, this oppression was heavy upon them. And so, you know, here Zacchaeus, who is the furthest thing you would ever think from coming into the kingdom of God, because he has no earthly needs. He has no oppression. Oh, you know, he, he doesn't care that he's not a part of the Jewish community. What is he attracted to? He's attracted to the person of Jesus. And and he wants to see what all of this is about. So much so that he'll climb a stinking tree. You know, when we were doing these baptisms the other day, uh, the other week, 72 people getting baptized un unannounced, un unprepared, you know, so some people went in just in their clothes. They didn't, they, you know, when, when look, I, I, if, if, if someone said, hey, I want you to go into a pool randomly today, I'd be like, no, no way. Thank you. I'm, I don't like getting my clothes wet. I hate being wet. But when you're hungry and you're desperate, when everything in your life never really satisfies you, you'll do anything for the truth. You'll do anything for the real. And someone who didn't have any earthly needs knew that he was still empty. And so Jesus sees him. The one thing I think we need to do as Christians is slow down and see people. See where they're at. See that they're lost. See that they're lonely. See that they need help. See that they don't have it all together. Stop making assumptions. Don't judge them by their clothes, whether they're nice clothes or not nice clothes or different types of clothes. I took my daughter shopping the other day. We went to the mall. I haven't been to the mall, uh, this, the one, the uh, Coronado Mall. And there were some shops I was like, oh my goodness, why would anyone wear that? 
just, I won't get into it, but just wild clothes. <laughs> so, but the thing is, you can't let that shock you. You can't let like, an appearance of someone keep them from encountering the one who could answer all their questions, the one who can fill all their needs. I was talking to, um, just sharing with uh, someone a, a week ago or so, and, uh, and we started getting into discussions and discussions about sin. You know, people want to you know, no, and I, I just started telling them the truth about sin and, and how Jesus can set you free. And, and I said, you know, these doors, you think they're just so simple doors that you can just do what you want, but the sin attracts flies. It's just like, I have, I have children and, um, and they have diapers. And, um, and well, right now, just one, thank God. But uh, for, for years, we had two in diapers. And, um, and, when, when, and, or, or here, I'll, I'll say this, I have chickens. You guys know I have chickens now. I have tons of eggs. I've been giving them out. We had, the first year we were at our house, we had no chickens. It was great. I was like, wow, there's like no bugs in New Mexico. This is amazing. Like compared to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is like a jungle. It's like bugs everywhere, right? You're like constantly smacking your face, trying to hit the bugs from, from that's biting you. But in uh, New Mexico, I was like, there's no bugs. And then all of a sudden, we have chickens. And chickens create not just eggs, but other excrements. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we had like Lord of the Flies. It was like hundreds of flies. We're like buying fly traps. They're filling up. We're dumping them out. We got more fly traps. And you're like, oh my goodness. And it's like, the flies are not just attracted to the chickens. They're attracted to the chickens, what the chickens create, right? And so in the same manner, sin attracts demons like no, nothing else. And we are, are sinning, if you, it's not that the demon's making you sin, but once you start sinning, all of a sudden it start, has a, a visitation of the demonic, and then all of a sudden it becomes these flies, these demons start whispering into your ear, trying to oppress you, and, can, and now all of a sudden this temptation is a stronghold, a stronghold to a, a tormenting spirit, to a, a oppression, and sometimes, on the rare instance, possession. And I was telling this, this young lady, and she said, um, but I, I grew up in church. Nobody told me this. No one told me. I just thought I could sin and just say, forgive me, God. And, and yes, you can do that. But you have, to, you have to use the power of the Holy Spirit who can sanctify you through and through where you can have real liberty, real, real transformation. And so here's Zacchaeus. Finally meets the person who can fill all his needs. And no longer is this money attractive. So much so, he gives it away. He gives half his possessions away. And then he says, and then I'll, I'll pay back four times anyone I've cheated. The, the, the juxtapose here is compared to the rich young ruler. Right? Right? He came to Jesus, I've done everything religiously right. What else do I need to be, what, what else do I need to do to be saved, is the rich young ruler. And Jesus says, sell all your possessions. And with sadness, he walks away. Zacchaeus, you know, in, in, in uh, church tradition, it's like him coming down the tree is like his descension into humility. Jesus calls us to humility. There's a, there's a lot of uh, really cool uh, things there. 
Um, church tradition says that he that Zacchaeus became, now this is not Bible, this is just tra tradition, it's what extra canonical books have said about certain biblical characters. We don't know if they're 100% accurate, I'm just telling you what church tradition has said like from, from years ago, uh, that Zacchaeus became the bishop of Caesarea, or Caesarea, or Ces whatever. Anyway, God, God didn't just, just touch him in that moment and left, he, he followed Jesus so much so, he became a bishop of a city. Let's go to Mark 2, 16 and 17. It says, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Listen, folks, Jesus is in the business of making sick people whole. He's, he's in the business of getting the, the sinners to repent. Now, please don't keep yourself from inviting people based on how, how much sin they're in. It shouldn't bother you one bit. Sin will try to confront you and be like, aren't you scared of me now? Aren't you afraid of me now? Aren't you like, you know, worried that I'm going to influence you wrongly now? And listen, if you're, if you're you know, um, weak in an area, don't, don't let those people affect you. But the reality is, is that people can come to me and they can say, hey, I'm into this lifestyle. I'm into doing this. I'm into doing that. And this, I'm like, that's okay. Let me talk to you about God. Why don't you come over for a meal? There's something spiritual and supernatural when you come around the table with someone and break bread with them. It's powerful. It's more powerful than you realize. There's a physical thing taking place and there is a supernatural spiritual thing taking place and it's ability for you to connect to them and speak into their life. This has gone on for, since the beginning of humanity. And so for us not to take advantage of this relational evangelism where you can invite anyone from your work, from your, from, your, from your neighborhood, from your family, over, no matter what they're doing. You know, some people go, oh, the, you know, and I've heard this being, you know, in relationship, just being a person and, who's a Christian. And, and, and I find families, they, they find that their family members are, are, are in some significant sin. They say, well, you, you cannot come over to my house now. And they have certain reasons for that. But I think that's the opposite of what we're called to do. Because... If they don't come over to your house, you can 100% guarantee you will not have an influence on their life. But if they can come over to your house, you're not saying that I agree with what you're doing. You're not saying that what you're doing is 100% uh, on board with what my family's doing. What you're saying is, I'm not gonna let this sin keep you from encountering Jesus in my life. And it's powerful, people. I mean, it's it's it's. The devil wants to try to convince you to, to not take that step forward, but I'm telling you the time is now and people are more open to the gospel than they ever have in a long time. I wanna just walk you through, we're not gonna read it today, but, but please I encourage you to, to read Mark chapter four into chapter 15. It's about Jesus and he tells the disciples, he says the statement, he says, we're going to the other side. 
And so it says that they, they go along with him in a boat and they are starting to head to the other side. He's asleep uh, in the stern on a pillow. Jesus just taking a nap and the biggest storm of their life hits and they are stuck in this storm. And it says that they're fearful and they do not know what to do. So they're, they, they wake Jesus up. They say like, Jesus, you need to wake up. Help us out, right? They call on him. Jesus gets up and he calms the storm and he says, peace be still. And then he looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? And if you look at the beginning statement of Mark 4, Jesus says this, we're going to the other side. And the reality is, is what the mission on this house is so uh, uh, powerful. It's, it's going to change the city that there will be a ton of waves and wind that are going to try to come against it. But guess what? Jesus is with us. And he's going to be with us all the way to the other side. And by his grace, it's extended to us that when we lose it, we can wake him up and be like, Jesus, we need you. Because he's a good God. He's faithful. Here's the thing. Mark 5, it says that when that boat touches the other side, who do they encounter? A demoniac, a guy who was running around, cutting himself, which is a spirit that is still around today. There are men and women cutting themselves right now. And it's prevalent. And it's not because it's just a trend. It's because it's a spirit that's still around. This man cuts himself. It says he runs around naked. He terrorizes the city. They chain him up. It says that the demons inside him are too strong. He breaks the chains anyway. And it says that this, this man runs to Jesus when he gets out of that boat. Jesus asked the demon what his name is. He says it's legion. And he says he commands the, uh, 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 the, the spirits, all, uh, legion, which are many, uh, into, the, into the pigs. The pigs run in the sea. He killed two birds with one stone. And it says the townspeople see this man sitting with Jesus, talking, clothed, and in his right mind. He's totally healed. The town's terrified. And the man begs Jesus. He says, let me go with you. Let me just go with you. I, I mean, I just encountered you. Just like Zacchaeus encountered him, I just encountered you. You've answered it. No one could help me. No one could set me free. But you are the deliverer. You set me free. The harvest was ripe. You, you, you're, you're the harbor, harvester. You're the great deliverer. Jesus is the best evangelist. And he's like, man, wait. I mean, Jesus is the best evangelist, by the way. And anyway, and he gets set free and he's whole. And he was like, Jesus, I just want to come with you. And Jesus says something astounding. Stay. And tell everyone what I did. N.T. Wright says, this man who used to be called the demoniac was the first apostle to the Gentiles. I want us to break the paradigm, break the thought that the harvest isn't ready. But I want you to know the harvest is ripe and the time is now. I want you to call your friends. I want you to call your family members. I want you to call your coworkers. I want you to call them out. I want you to say, hey, I've been thinking about you. What's going on? What can we talk about? We're gonna go in this new direction where we're gonna invite people into our homes to share the gospel with them, to give them an opportunity to see Jesus for who he really is. 
you're gonna be so shocked at the people who answer that phone and the people who actually come over because everything you thought about their stance and their judgments and their lifestyles is wrong. They're actually really open. They weren't open, but now the time, look, I I said this a few weeks ago and I'll say it now before we close. I believe the diet of the world and the diet of a lot of the church has been so insufficient and nutritionally lacking that we've come to the, to the peak of hunger that we haven't had in a long time. And we all just want the real thing. And so everyone's ready. I, I, I go around where unbelievers are. If you're like, well, you know, I'll look, I'm a pastor. My job is to be at church around Christians, around staff members, visiting people and being a part of people. But I purposely put myself in places where I know unbelievers aren't gonna, aren't gonna be because, uh, or unbelievers are gonna be because I wanna, sh- I wanna live life with them. I wanna talk to them. I wanna, I wanna see how they're doing. I wanna get to know them, not for any agenda, but to, to see Jesus touch them and build relationship and, and, and make friends. And so I, I, I find unbelievers, I invite them to things, I talk to them. Um, there's this thing called F3. I, I'm just doing a little ad. It's unpaid, don't worry. Um, <clears throat> F3 Nations, where men get together in the city every Monday and Thursday at 5.15 in the morning at North Domingo Baca Park, and they just work out together and pray with one another, just from all over the city. And, um, and then uh, on Thursdays, they just start at one on the west side, where I live, thank God, so I can go there. Oh, no, Tuesdays, excuse me, Tuesdays at 5.15 in the morning. It's so early, so it doesn't interrupt with, you know, work and family and all that stuff, so... That's where we're at on the west side. It's in Haynes Park, Tuesdays at 5.15. But I, I'll do stuff like that, and then I'll invite friends to it that don't even know the Lord. And I don't even, like, make it up. I just say, like, hey, this, there's a, we're doing this workout. I think you would like it. We're also a bunch of Christians. We'll pray for each other at the end, but you're more than welcome. They're like, oh, let me check it out. Yeah, that's cool. I think I'll come. And you think, oh, they would never come. No, they'll come. It doesn't have to be this, right? But get creative. There's, there's uh, Christians right now, and, and you know the Jesus Revolution movie that's come out, and uh, The Chosen that's like making groundbreaking news, and the reason why it's breaking groundbreaking news because the church is hungry and the world's hungry for this next move of God. And I'll just end on this. Some of our stagnation in our own spiritual lives is missing the key of actually sharing the gospel. When you start sharing the gospel, you will feel this influx of spiritual growth in your own life that you haven't experienced in a long time. It's like you feel the river of God flowing through you and you're like, wow, not only do I get to give this away, I'm being fed at the same time. So soon I would love to call a time because we're gonna start launching some of these, these you know, purposed places where we invite people over our homes just for, just for unbelievers to come. And I just wanna pray and fast as a church, and, and I'll, I'll let you know when that is, and you can decide what that fast is, but I know it's gonna be powerful. Winds and waves will try to come against it, but Jesus is with us, we're gonna get to the other side. Can you believe that Jesus made the disciples go through that storm to get that one man saved. There's gonna be a lot of people getting saved through our community, and it's gonna be amazing. 
So um, I, w- I want to ask you to pray for me. Uh, next, um, next week, I'm going to go visit my family. I haven't seen them in two months. They're in Australia, for those of you who don't know, uh, visiting family. And um, they're going to be there another two months. But this is like my mid, mid-time break to go and see them. And you'll be sure I'll be sharing the gospel with our friends and with family members who don't know Jesus yet. It's just who we are. Um, so I'm going to do that. But pray for me. Pray for our trip. Um, next week, our founding pastor, Dr. Alan Hawkins, is going to be with us speaking. And um, so come out, support, and um, receive from the word that's on his life because he's been preaching fire in the uh, early morning um, uh, Sunday school. So it's been awesome. Why don't you stand? I know we've been preaching on evangelism a lot, but you know, sometimes it takes a lot to get through my own thick head. And I just want you to know that the harvest is right around you. It's all around you. And it's ready for you to reap. You don't need to know much more than what the person your heart, you're, you're sharing the gospel with you knows. You just need to share the gospel of the Lord the love of Jesus. Don't get distracted by societal topics that we even know are against the word of God. We just don't get distracted by it. We see them as Jesus sees them. We see them as people who he died for, who wanna come, who he wants to be in relationship with. And so we just love on them. Once they experience that love, once they surrender their life to God, Everything else will start falling into place. So Jesus, I just ask right now that your that your boldness would continually come upon us. God, would we feel the urgency of the harvest? May we feel the urgency that the time is now. That you would you would actually bring to mind people we need to call right now and, and, and just offer to, to share the gospel with them. That you'd remind us of people right now who are in a pit and we know that you can get them out. Lord, that we would not put people in a box and we would not judge them that they wouldn't receive, that we would just see them as like, yeah, of course. They might not have received last season, but now the harvest is right and they're ready. So, Lord, I pray right now that your power would come upon us, that you would, um, you would be with us in the storm and the waves, Lord, that we would have the confidence that you will get us to the other side, that we believe the word and the mission on this house. And so, Lord, I just pray for a fresh anointing for evangelism to fall on this house. Lord, we pray for these homes that are going to be opening up, not as home groups, but as groups that are sharing the gospel with friends and family and co-workers. Lord, I pray that there would just be supernatural testimonies flowing out of these things. And so I, I just thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming out this week. I know it was an early day for a lot of you. Uh, well, it should be for all of you. And uh, 
Consider yourselves champions for coming to service this morning. We'll see you next week. Uh, Keep me and my family in prayer. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, just come forward. We'd love to pray for you guys. Oh, thanks, buddy. Bless you guys. Have a great, great week.